What's going on, everybody? This is a brand new Monster Truck Podcast, and today we are joined by none other than Bari Musauer, Young Guns Shootout, a.k.a. Double Down Throwdown Champion and general good guy. Bari has written a blog for us in years past, chronicling his rookie season behind the wheel of Backwards Bob and then Altor Loco. Bari, how you doing today? And I heard, I heard you're kind of trying to fix something. Hey, I'm doing great, guys. Thanks for having me. Yeah, I got home uh, this today and uh, discovered the dishwasher wasn't draining. So um, I tore into it a few minutes ago, and with the help of some YouTube videos, I think I can manage it. So we'll <laughs> see if we can get this thing to drain again. Perfect. That'll be in the related videos, uh, dishwasher <laughs> yeah. stuff. So so we'll be good to go. Uh, well, listen, man, things have been going pretty good for you. Saw the freestyle performance out there in Vegas and uh, had a nice little roll save and everything going on. What what has been happening with you since first quarter? Oh, man, we've kept pretty busy. I mean, after Vegas, we jumped right back into the Triple Threat Tour. We had three shows back to back to back, and we just finished the last one up. Little Rock, Arkansas was the last one we did, and we also did Austin, Texas and Baton Rouge, Louisiana. So we had a busy three weeks there right after Las Vegas, so... We had to jump right back into uh, the triple threat uh, mindset, and you know we made it happen. We we had some great shows there, and uh, fortunate to be teamed with a lot of great people on the tour, and of course my, my crew, Brad and Ryan. They they keep zombie going. Definitely. Now you've you've had a lot of different experiences behind the wheel of different trucks. We'll get to that in a minute, but. You touched on something that was one of the most important things I wanted to ask you, man, was, look, uh, you've been in a lot of different situations, but I, for one, was surprised when you went from Stadium Bari Musauer to now looking at the first quarter schedule, Bari's in, Bari's in the Triple Threat Series? What's he doing in arenas? <laughs> Did you kind of have that reaction? Yeah. What was running through your mind when, when they told you about that? Well, you know, I'm, I'm always one for new opportunities and new ideas and it was one of those things where I didn't see it coming for sure, just like you mentioned. But it, I think it's going to be the future of Monster Jam in some ways. Uh, if if you see what's come out of the Triple Threat Tour, I mean, the talent alone, for one, you get so much more seat time than just a one-shot deal in the stadium. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, we, we're going through rigorous training to uh, actually be involved with the Triple Threat Series because – takes a lot of conditioning and a lot of a lot of uh, practice to, to do that show correctly and uh, a lot of cool new tricks come out of it as you see you know new young talent like Tyler and Colton and Tristan England who's just come out of nowhere to really be able to do a great job you know it's like wow who would have thought you could do the things that we're doing now with with now their 12,000 pound monster jam trucks so it's pretty wild. <laughs> So, yeah, I mean, I was definitely surprised, uh, but I accepted the challenge. And, you know, here we are in season two of it. I finished second last year, finished third this year. So it's definitely a tough competition. Uh, it's, it's an exciting show from start to finish. I mean, the fans seem like they, they're really taken to it pretty well. Now, one of the things that I found kind of interesting to ask you was is that 
Did you really have any experience, you know, riding quads or doing anything with razors or anything like that? Like, I know your RC background and everything like that, but before going into, you know, even kind of just doing any training with it, I mean, were you at all experienced with any of that stuff or were you going in totally green? Yeah, I was totally green, man. I tell you, I tell fans this, I said, man, I don't, I didn't even know how to start the ATV <laughs> when we first started training there and at Monster Jam University. But, you know, after a few, few days, I kind of got the hang of it and, I I definitely try my best out there. Of course, I wouldn't say I'm the fastest on it, but I'm pretty consistent where I try to just hit my marks every lap and just try to run a consistent race. And sometimes you get lucky and uh, who knows, there might be a mishap or a, some people get tangled up on their ATVs in front of you and just here's here comes Barry, take full advantage. <laughs> <laughs> Right on, man. Well, you've you've been doing a lot of different uh, kind of different phases of your career, and of course, you got started through uh, Bill Easterly noticing you at the RC event at Digger's Dungeon, and also then, of course, you were buddies with uh, Scott Hartsock from Slinger, and from right. there, you you had your first event after years of testing and dreaming about this. Ever since the first event, you went to at the Silverdome, so. Take me through what was what was running through your mind at the very first event. You finally got to where you wanted to be. You're in the seat in Panama, and you're ready to go out there and, and do your thing. What was running through your mind? Well, first, I got to bring you back to the things that people don't even think about, like your luggage, getting your luggage after your first ever international flight. <laughs> yeah. Well, my first international flight was going to Panama for my first show, and you think my luggage showed up with me? Nope. Oh. So that was strike number one. It was like, oh my gosh, my luggage isn't here. What am I going to do? You know, it's my first time driving. But thankfully, it got there uh, the next day. And I tell you, I've never been probably more nervous in my life uh, aside from seeing my son come into the world. But <laughs> that that moment was just like unreal for me because I couldn't there's not many times that I have been so my nerves have been so high that I couldn't eat you know but that was one of those times where it was like oh I'm in a foreign country I don't know what I should eat or what I should not eat I'm just just gonna lay low on the food and Hmm. it came out it worked out good though man I mean it was definitely a cool learning experience one of the cool things about that first show that probably not too many people know is so not only was it my first time behind the wheel at a show, but they stuck me in Backwards Bob, which was a surprise at that show, and they hadn't advertised it. So what they did was they built a little fort on the floor that was had four walls and a roof, so you couldn't see what was in this makeshift building. Well, they built it around the whole Monster Jam truck Backwards Bob. So oh. everybody else got to do your you know your normal intros and I'm just sitting out there with the radio and they said, "All right, when we tell you to fire up and you're going to blast out of this little makeshift building and that be your your surprise, your surprise intro." I was like, "Wow, I get to be the star, <laughs> you know, one yeah. of the stars of the show at my first show." So it was pretty cool. It was just really hot in Panama at that time. It was really hot sitting in there. With yeah. the fire suit on and the helmet and all the safety equipment. So it was definitely a pretty cool first experience. Did you have anybody in that first show that really stuck out that maybe maybe helped you along or other drivers giving you advice, things like that, crew guys uh, or that sort of thing? And then also 
what kind of feedback did you get from everybody after the first show? Oh, for sure. I had there's tons of people there, uh, familiar names that you probably still recognize. Dan Evans was there helping me. He was actually crewing on the truck while I was there, and um, Dustin Brown was there, Rod Schmidt, Craig Christensen. So everybody kind of lended a helping hand. Lupe Sosa. Um, you know, they just kind of made me feel at home, you know, it's just like everybody's one big family and they gave me advice and they told me when I did great and they told me where I could do stuff different. So it was, it was definitely a great first experience. And, um, from, from coming from, let's see, that was 2010. So I hadn't driven a monster jam truck since 2008 in the test field. I would just out of the blue, Hey, you want to come do this show? Oh, okay, cool. Hmm. Haven't driven in two years? No problem. <laughs> yeah, sure, why not? What could possibly yeah. be wrong? <laughs> yeah. yeah, we had a great time. It was funny, though, because that truck, you can see for a mile straight ahead. But because of the bedsides, they don't dip down like a hood does on a normal truck, like the front clip dips down. Right. So when you go to turn, it's like blinders. And I remember coming off the first jump and we were racing Chicago style. And I thought I turned where I needed to turn and I turned on top of the car. And thankfully, <laughs> the cars in Panama, they didn't have doors or anything on them or wheels or tires or nothing. They were just a frame and a body, like a unibody car with nothing on them. So it just completely obliterated the car. It was, and I looked down and said, oh. I guess I turned too soon. You're <laughs> <laughs> learning so something new today. Right. Yep, that's one of the probably few things that people don't even know about that first show that I did. So it was pretty cool. It was a two-show stadium, so I got two chances at it. So I definitely learned a lot from the first go-round. And it's funny that you know you can drive these things a million times in your mind, but until you get behind the wheel of one and are put in that situation, it's a totally different story. Now, you know, going from that to, you know, you started off kind of just doing some international stuff and then eventually you kind of get thrown into a full-blown first quarter. Um, you've documented quite a bit of that with the blog and everything like that through our site. Um, did you ever think, though, like rookie year, like, hey, I'm going to be doing this however many years later. I'm going to be on, you know, this crazy new tour and, all you know, all of this stuff. I mean, did you have any long-term aspirations for this or were you just kind of like riding it out and seeing where it was going to go? No, I really did think long term. I I still think I you know I want to do it for as long as I can, for as long as you know my body will let me. And thankfully, I haven't sustained any type of injury or anything. I've never even broken a bone, knock on wood, in my life. So I definitely uh, look for longevity in this. This is a dream come true for me, as I've always said. And I want to do it for as long as I possibly can. So it's definitely something that's always been long term. You know, and when it comes time for me to hang up the fire suit hopefully you know i can still be involved in some shape way shape or form definitely yeah when, you, when you're coming through and uh talking about thinking long term i just looked it up and uh you know you're coming up on your anniversary of driving again memorial day weekend you said so that's that's going to be yeah. seven years behind the wheel or six seven years i think yeah it was um well it was 2006 when i first got the chance to drive in the test field and at that time, it was in North Carolina at Digger's Dungeon, and uh, so yeah, it's 
It'll be uh, well, 11 years uh, this Memorial Day since the first time I ever got to sit in one and drive one and jump one. So uh, yeah. from that day forward, I still had, you know, I waited four years before I got hired on professionally. So, yeah, this is seven years professional. So it just time flies, man, when you're having fun. I know that sounds so cliche, but it's true because I wouldn't have predicted that seven years would have gone by already. Right. Now, did you have any input? I, I, I think I know the answer to this question, but I'm going to throw it out there. Did you have any input after, you know, you go through the show in Panama and they say, okay, we liked what you, what we saw. We're going to have you back. The first quarter rolls around and you're in El Toro. Did you have any input as to, to what truck, you know, you had an opportunity to drive? Did they say, hey, you know, do you have any things that you think would fit you? Or was it just, hey, dude, this is the truck you're with and you're with Rod Schmidt? No, I hadn't, I didn't have any input. They just said what, the last part of what you said, it was like, all right, we got you doing first quarter and you're in El Toro Loco. I was thrilled. You know, at that point, it didn't matter what truck it was to me. I was happy to represent any Monster Jam brand out there. So I was thankful just to get the opportunity, especially after waiting, you know, those four years, not knowing if I was going to ever even be able to have that opportunity. So the truck could have had nobody on it. I would have cared. <laughs> <laughs> Definitely. Uh, so I'll, I'll get to that second part there, but Dustin, it's your turn, man. <laughs> well, I mean, you've had some interesting experiences too, you know, your first season out, you know, bouncing around, doing a bunch of different shows, uh, hitting a lot of places that a lot of people maybe don't think of, you know, on the tour schedule. Um, what was it like, you know, kind of that first year kind of getting to go out and, you know, do like that full-blown travel thing? Because I know for most of us, you know, that first year or first quarter, it's like such a surreal experience, whether you're just, you know, working behind the scenes or for yourself, you know, being behind the wheel. Yeah, for sure. Just getting acclimated with traveling every weekend was definitely an adjustment and, uh, you know, all the different climates, and just going through the airports and rental cars definitely just learning your way around to what you needed to do each weekend and week out week weekend and week out to maintain you know on that tour it was definitely something that I had to get used to but it was fun I mean it's still a blast to meet new people and to go different places I mean I never would imagine this had this would have taken me around the world like it has so um, just thinking back to a few venues that first year, like we went to Richmond, Virginia and Fargo, North Dakota. And I mean, there was snow piled up in <laughs> Fargo, North Dakota. And uh, I can remember we couldn't even fly into Fargo. There was so much snow. So I had to fly into Minneapolis and then drive from Minneapolis to Fargo. Wow. So that was just one of those things where it's like, man, you got to you just got to make it happen no matter which way, you know you get there you definitely have to find a way to make it happen because the show must go on and you know the to be fortunate enough to be a flying you know driver for monster jam it's definitely takes a lot of the load off of us because and i've seen you know the independent side where you know they have to do so much you know to fix from fixing their trucks to fixing the rigs to all the stuff you don't even see behind the scenes and you know just getting up and down the road it's it's a it's a challenge, but uh, we we do it all for the fans and the love of the sport, and 
you know, I wouldn't trade it for the world. I was once on a trip, a 13-hour trip to Columbus, Nebraska with Mark Schrader, and we had not one but two trailer tires go out because of the heat. So, wow. I feel you. <laughs> we get yeah. through that. We get through that and then oh yeah, there's a show to do. Sometimes sometimes the adventure begins before you get to the track. So, it was interesting. Yeah, That's the indeed. one place you could have maybe flown into that was that was uh Minneapolis was considered warm enough to fly into. That's ridiculous. Yes, it was it was a wild trip because not only did we try once, but we tried twice. And both times they said, nope, we can't land. And the first time they turned all the way back around. And I can't remember where I was flying out of, but they turned all the way back around and flew back to where we came from. <laughs> so, <laughs> so, so Florida boy, Florida boy, Bari was like, dude, this is too much snow. <laughs> yeah, Man. It was, well, thankfully I'm, I'm from originally from Cleveland. So yeah. I know all about the snow and, I moved when I was 19 to Florida, and I've been here ever since. And uh, it's definitely fun to go back and visit the snow. And I've always, I always have love for Cleveland and my hometown. But the snow, it's cool to just experience it in seasons. Let's just say that. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> so one and done kind of thing is uh, how I prefer yeah. snow. One cold show right. a year for me, and I'm content with that. So that's usually my Detroit weekend. There you go. <laughs> yep. That's uh, good things in small doses. So you get through uh, your first quarter. How did you feel after that? And and I always ask people this. Was there a turning point behind the wheel where you could say, man, you know, I'm in a rhythm and I feel really comfortable? Because I feel like year to year, you're one of the people that has improved every year. Oh, thanks, man. I appreciate that. Um especially with the level of talent that comes in the sport every year. Uh, it's definitely pretty cool to be able to progress and just try to maintain and keep up and learn more new things. So definitely I would say my rookie year, I was going, let's see, the last show we did before Las Vegas was Montgomery, Alabama. And it was uh, in a really old building. I can remember. I can't remember the name of the venue, mm. but it was a pretty historic place because they had pictures in the admin office of the building, like from the 50s. And the building looked the same, but the cars were like from the 50s. So it was pretty <laughs> cool to just make that little correlation. Uh, but I had a really good weekend that weekend. I ended up winning a lot. I won donuts and wheelies and racing and freestyle. And one show, it was like double down in every aspect of the show. And that was right before Las Vegas. and our team wasn't even slated to to be in Las Vegas, but they they scheduled another show in Oregon, Eugene, Oregon, the same weekend as Vegas, but they flew me to Vegas, and my team went on to do another show, and we had a fill-in driver for El Toro Loco at that show, mm-hmm. and I didn't really know why they took me out of the seat to go to Vegas. Well... I found out because I won Rookie of the Year at the banquet that year, so that was pretty cool. Absolutely. Uh, so definitely we had a lot of momentum going into Las Vegas. It was cool just to be there and take all that in and experience experience it from a, a driver aspect, but I could still just take it in and watch. So it was definitely a really surreal moment in my career that uh, kind of put me on the map, and then we – we expanded from there for the next year. You know, we made a truck change. Spider-Man was my ride in 2012, and 
we went on to win the Young Gun Shootout, which is now known as the uh, Double Down Showdown. So it was definitely uh, those two moments in my career stick out for sure. You've kind of had, you know, a lot of different change in your career, you know, like you just said, transitioning from one ride to another, from crew chief to crew chief, stuff like that. Like, was there like a huge difference for you, like year one, like, hey, I've got this truck, this identity, this body, this everything like that, to getting switched over maybe to a different team, maybe a different crew chief, stuff like that. I mean, was it difficult to adjust or did you kind of adapt right away? I mean, I think you had too tall your second year, which uh, good dude to have on your side for sure. Yeah, David Ofer Too Tall, as, as he's known in the industry, um, definitely helped me helped me in my career. My second year, became my crew chief, and we had Spider-Man, um, which was a, another, it was a Patrick chassis, a PEI chassis, and um, it, was, it was actually an older chassis than the El Toro Loco truck, and it had uh, shorter shocks on the back. The El Toro had 30-inch shocks on the back, whereas... Spider-Man had 26-inch shocks all the way around. So going into it, I was was a little concerned, not too much, but I just didn't know what to expect. But, uh, I mean, uh, history speaks for itself after we got acclimated with that truck. I I actually loved that truck. It was was a pretty cool deal because it had a small cage and it had a big motor in it when we first started, so it was pretty (laughs) fast and uh, and you could do – standing wheelies with that with that truck it was a lot of fun and we ended up winning the double down showdown out there in vegas with it and i like it was one of my accolades i like to tell people is i went through first quarter and we only had one body rolled over once and we we had the body all first quarter and (laughs) knock on wood that was like the only time i've ever been able to do that i was gonna say that that is unheard of and your your uh directors your people that do the finances thank you for that because that's as well as your crew guys because i know they have all the routing and stuff they don't have to worry about barry's body you know (laughs) right uh that's that's no no small order and nobody was getting itchy doing fiberglass work either so there you go uh as far as the the identity thing that was when i first remembered okay you know barry's doing some more stadiums now they're giving him a little bit more of a, a profile a little more of a chance to get out there and performance some of some larger in front of some of the, some larger crowds and uh, i was running right. the timing system on on the tour that you were on for some of that stuff uh i remembered seeing you at a few shows and i don't remember if it was 12 or 13 which year but uh you had a specific freestyle in indianapolis indiana and i felt like man Barry's here he has arrived he's ready to go and he could have won that show in freestyle uh do you remember that kind of around that time period, how you were feeling. You were saying you're comfortable. You got this big engine, a little less travel in the shocks. But, dude, I just remember that show, and I wanted to get your thoughts on it because that was the one where I was like, you know what? This dude's here. He can compete with anybody, anywhere. Man, that's that's awesome, man. I, I appreciate that. Yeah, I definitely remember that. I was Indianapolis 2012, so that was that same truck. And uh, I was teamed up with Chad Tingler, who's taught me so much. He's one of my good friends in the industry. And... Uh, we, we just had a great show, you know. That was one of the shows where I was extremely close. I think I almost took out Tom Mintz in racing at that show. We had a photo finish, and, uh, you know, I was just so proud. And Tom came up to me after the show. He said, man, okay, I guess I can't mess around with you anymore. You're too good. 
<laughs> I'm just because you almost messed around and beat me. <laughs> I, I, I can hear it now. I'm just like, all right, boy, you can't do that yeah. now. You can't beat me. Right. <laughs> yep, yep. So, but yeah, that freestyle was far. I I had never cleared a a double uh, at that point in my career. You know, so I was bouncing the idea of, off of Chad Tingler, my teammate, and he just said, "Man, just go for it. Just hit it." And I said, "All right." So, and it's. These these trucks, these Monster Jam trucks, kind of give you a false sense of. At first, when you're first starting out, you think you're you're kind of going faster than you really are, <laughs> and so you're kind of you know, especially me not having any background in motorsports, the just the speed to noise ratio, if that even if you can even kind of compare those two, it's like man, this thing is 1,500 horsepower and it is screaming, and I feel like I'm going 100 miles an hour, but then you look at it on the tape. After you get done, you're like, oh, that's all I did? It's like but, that uh, scene in Talladega Nights where he's coming back from the crash. <laughs> he's going slow, and yes, they're like, what exactly. are you doing? <laughs> exactly. You got it. So, you know, I I hit the double, and I thought I hit it going pretty good, and it, it flew pretty good, and the front tires cleared it, but the back tires kind of went down the downside of the ramp, and it it slammed the front end down up into a slap wheel and it was perfect and I just rode it out. And I was just thinking to myself in the slap wheel, I was like, Man, I could ride this thing into the parking lot. But I don't I can't. You know, so <laughs> it was cool. It was like a perfect scenario. And I can remember Jeremy Slifko, who was at that show, and he come up to me after where he had to freestyle after me. He said, Man, when you did that slap wheelie, I just put my head down. <laughs> it was like, how am I going to top that, you know? So it was pretty fun freestyle, and I, I definitely remember it. And uh, But, you know, nowadays, you know, slap wheelies, just a, it's still an exciting move. But from what's going on now on the track and seeing how much control we have over these trucks and what they're capable of now, it's like, wow, you really have to have a wow moment and a really special move to even – be considered you yeah. know yeah, in the top uh ranking as far as getting a great score that wow factor that save is just something that comes with with uh with luck and you, know, you know skill but definitely you gotta have luck on your side well speaking of having luck on your side you know vegas this year when you're out there in freestyle you kind of had you know the the funny bounce and just so happened that you know the truck gets pitched back up onto the nose you tap the throttle at the right time it comes back around you know you had that luck aspect to your freestyle and then you have the bad luck aspect and i think it was the transmission started to go away on you but did you have anything like you know secretly planned you know for your freestyle in vegas did you have anything that you felt like was your ace in the hole or something up your sleeve like I'm gonna show these guys something. If the if the truck holds together, I get to that last twenty seconds or so. Like I'm gonna I'm gonna let this thing just go completely nuts or something. Like, do you have anything in mind? Yeah, we had something up our sleeve, which I'm not gonna elaborate on it because hopefully maybe <laughs> if we get to go back, you know, we still got that in our sleeve and it'll just be that much more exciting because I'll have to have to wait a whole year before I could even you know pull it out of the repertoire. But uh, that. That lucky save was definitely something that I wasn't even prepared for, which you never are. You just react when it happens. and It, it was fine. I mean, the truck was still 100% at that point once it came back on the wheels. And uh, I heard the crowd. They were going nuts after that. I was like, all right. The adrenaline started flowing. And 
But the only problem with that save was it kind of messed the body up, and I couldn't see that great. Oh. And so after that, I went over and got sucked into the mud. My son calls it water mud. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, because I said, well, let me turn this way, and I'll go over this obstacle, because I didn't quite understand why that jump that I hit caused the truck to bounce like that. So I was like, well, maybe I should stare stay away from that side of the track Mm. you know i want to get my full time in well it just after the save it was like okay now you're going through this muddy water and now you really can't see because there's muddy water all over the windshield and so after that i just kind of was just out there just trying to hit whatever is in front of me and hope for the best and (laughs) it was it was a decent run but i definitely had a lot more planned that i wanted to do but you know the crowd you know, they they definitely had a good time with it, and sometimes we're our worst critics, you know. We yeah. we are harder on ourselves than we need to be, and, you know, the fans come from all over the world, so you, you know they know Monster Jam, and you want to do a good job for them and yourself and your you, family. You but hit the nail on the head there. Uh, that is a distinct 0 for 2, by the way, on the mud pit being at the World Finals. We had Leo Donnell on recently, and he said when he did his front flip, he got splattered with mud. And uh, it hit his visor, and he yeah. couldn't see. <laughs> so that's two people that had yeah. visibility problems as a result of the mud. So uh, maybe stay away from that next year. We'll see. But uh, for your identity and, and where where you were going when you were with the Spider-Man truck, picking that back up, uh, I remember also showing St. Louis, and you told me, "Hey, I, I have this new move, you know." And I because I asked you about it afterwards. Another great freestyle, another one that I remember very well. Uh, you got the truck up on two wheels on purpose. And every time I see Ryan Anderson do that, I think of your, you called it like the web sling or something related to Spider-Man. And, and I always right. wanted to know, I mean, I haven't seen that, but then by about that time you got moved into Zombie too. So you were doing stuff that was related to every truck that you were a part of, but it had to be a blessing and a curse to be moved around so much. It was like once you established an identity, you were giving out red and, black, or red and uh, blue shoes to people in the stands. And for the Spider-Man stuff, you had just gotten to that identity, and then you get moved again. Uh, were you yeah, frustrated yeah. every time? Like, I kind of want to know how you're feeling with that, and and with Ryan's move that was your move. <laughs> uh, well, I mean, to to start with the first part of the question, yeah, it was Spider-Man was a lot of fun. You know, once we developed our niche and our little signature with the tennis shoes, and just I couldn't believe how excited people were about you know the red and blue shoes because. You know, I used to tell people I just did it by mistake. You know, I told them I got dressed in the dark, and that's just how I came out. <laughs> and they just loved it. So, I mean, it was definitely one of those things that I I, def, I loved to uh, interact with the crowd with. And people knew me by that. And, uh, yeah, it was cool. It was sad to see it go. You know, but when I got put into Zombie, I didn't know what to do, honestly. I mean, I was just like, all right, well, I'm still got a seat which is great and i'm gonna try and work with what i have been given to to make it my own again Mm -hmm. and um you know that's when we came up with the whole zombie arm wave um and who knew i mean it's just something so simple but it, it connected me with the fans it was just a way for me to still connect with the fans even when i'm in the truck uh just as long as they could see me and I was doing the zombie arm wave and it's 
dude, it's surreal sitting behind the wheel and going around the stadium or going around an arena and seeing the entire crowd do it and just let you know they're behind you. And it just gives you that confidence to go out there and say, all right, they're with me. I got to show them why they're with me, you know, and try and throw one down. So it was definitely a cool thing for sure that I just didn't know what it was going to do, honestly. I just did it one day and it stuck. Well, speaking of things that uh, you weren't sure you were going to do or how you know were going to approach things, I remember when you and I were going to Anaheim. We both just ended up on the same flight, and I remember I texted you and was like, hey, do you have a rental? Because I'm trying to get back to the hotel, and I don't feel like paying for a cab. I'm good like <laughs> that. You can ask Cody Sosia. He's known me for a long time for uh, bumming rides. But anywho, uh, <laughs> I remember you and I just kind of you know were linking up, and then so long story short, we land, you say, hey, do you want to go check out King of the Hammers? And we're like, absolutely. And yep. so we had a good couple-hour car ride out there to King of the Hammers. And I remember the conversation of backflips being brought up because we were still, while backflips weren't a new thing, you know, you go back just to 2015 now, and it wasn't quite as commonplace, and it still wasn't as maybe concrete of a move as you kind of expected to see at every show. And, you know, you and I were kind of discussing things, and you were, maybe, you were kind of on the fence, like, do I, do I try it? Do I not? Do I, you know, I'm not sure really how I feel about it. I kind of like what I do with my runs, but I feel like maybe I should try it. And sure enough, you know, a couple of days later, you know, you're trying backflips and, you know, that, that first attempt didn't go so well. But, you know, eventually further down the line, you get to Syracuse and you nailed that first one. I mean, were you like, was your confidence at all gone after hitting it in Anaheim and it just kind of fell apart on you or you say, Oh, you know what? I figured out what I did wrong and I'm just going to go out there and hit it that much better. You know, when I get to it the next time I feel like doing it. Yeah, for sure. I mean, the first one in Anaheim was, it was my first time. So I didn't know what to expect. I didn't know how fast to go as far as, you know, my throttle was. And so I just tried it and it just didn't, for one, I think there might have been an issue with that ramp. But uh, two, I'm sure I probably could have hit the ramp a little harder. And uh, it probably would have rotated around. I'm not sure if it would have landed still, but it probably would have gone further than it did. Uh, but then I got an- another chance in Detroit, and that was my second attempt. And that one landed perfectly. And, um, and it's the one in Syracuse that you mentioned, it rotated around. It landed, but I had a broken sway bar in the run which caused the truck once it landed to pitch over on one side and it never it just all that weight transferred over and it didn't have a sway bar to help it come back so it just kind of continued to roll and but that one was a pretty pretty big backflip it, it was high in the air and it's pretty cool to be up there that high i mean it's you don't really know how high you are until you see it you know which just i imagine after you do it so many times you get an, a sense of where you are and how it feels but it happens so fast that you just have to react. There's no thinking about what you're doing. You just have to know what to do in that spur-of-the-moment situation. Definitely a good point. And you, you talk about rewatching stuff a lot. And I would say, uh, not that you're an elder statesman, a monster jam or anything anymore, but I do think that your career kind of followed the YouTube generation, if you will. Uh, you know, Maybe Dennis in his early days didn't get a chance to go back and watch the YouTube of his prior backflip attempt the week before, whereas now you get to do that. And I've heard even you know uh, Charlie Pawkin tell younger drivers, hey, watch YouTube. Watch a lot of monster trucks. 
Is is that part of uh, your sort of analysis of your runs and trying to trying to improve behind the wheel and everything? Do you watch a lot of your runs or other people's runs? You got any favorites? Yeah, like I'm, I'm a fan. Just like the next guy out there, you know, I'm just fortunate enough to be able to have the opportunity to to dr- drive as well. So I definitely watch and and learn from watching. That's the that's the best way I know how to learn. It's just to compare what you did to another person, and you not only look at it, but you listen. You listen to throttle rhythm. You listen to how the truck reacts in certain throttle rhythms. So it's definitely something that you kind of have to look at it for more than just a fan standpoint when you're looking at videos from past shows. You know, I call it study. You know, it's like homework. Yeah. You definitely want to improve. So that's one of the best ways to do it, you know. And now we have Monster Jam University, which is it's awesome, you know, where we get to go if we need to and take a few days to try and perfect our craft, you know, just just to make the show even that much better for all our great fans. So it's never would have thought there would be a Monster Jam University, but it's pretty awesome that it exists. And uh, it definitely is a, a great tool to have uh, in, in terms of learning because uh, – you're never going to stop learning driving these trucks. I mean, they, they're they so unpredictable and predictable at the same time. I don't know if that makes sense, but, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, you can you can do a jump 10 times, and the 10th time it'll bounce different than the, nine, the first nine times. And you don't know why. It just happens. So it's just one of those things where you can never stop being put in different scenarios and learning what to do in those scenarios but the only way you really know is to go through it and sometimes you succeed sometimes you fail yeah well and you bring up you know the whole monster jam university you know and the training and everything like that because for a while there you know you'd started out you know kind of in an arena heavy environment and then you know 2015 you put in a zombie you do the new stadium tour with the fs1 championship series and that was kind of a learning, you know, scenario for a lot of guys because the tracks were really starting to change around that time period. And then the following year, you get stuck back into arenas. And not only are you back into arenas, but you're adapting to this all-new hybrid track and everything like that. So how valuable was it to kind of basically say, okay, I've got this amount of days out here to adapt to this track that I'm maybe not that familiar with? and kind of hone your craft if you will because you came out like gangbusters that you know first year you know with that tour and you were doing great you know keeping up with colvinard and you know having some hard battles there yeah for sure that there's no doubt in my mind that i wouldn't have been able to do as good as i did uh without having that that resource of monster jam university there to help us familiar familiarize ourselves with the uh the obstacles because they're they're pretty intimidating. I mean, Brent, the obstacles that we never even thought, you know, were possible to 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 use these trucks for. I mean, the crowd loved, you know, us just crushing cars, and they still cheer when you crush, you know, cars. It's it's amazing. But these new obstacles, like the tractor tires and the, the eight pack of the semi truck tires, and then we have the log ride and the single log. It's it's pretty pretty cool and sometimes you know you get to the venue and you see the track and you see how the angles are on these jumps and sometimes sometimes it's pretty intimidating you're like oh, man the wheelie contest is going to be pretty treacherous this week <laughs> so it's it's pretty cool just to be able to go out there and 
and uh, I like to call finesse the truck around the track because being inside the arena, it takes a certain amount of finesse to make it look good but be in control at the same time. And, um, you know, do a wheelie slow instead of launching the truck 10 feet up and landing on the, on the tailgate. But if you can walk the truck across the pad and do it going two miles an hour, the crowd loves that just as much as you, you know, skying the thing out. So it's pretty cool. Yeah. The Tech- differences that you can do, you know, the versatility of the track. Yeah, tech has definitely become more prevalent in the in the the uh, the smaller arena tours now. People have gotten a little more technical to stand out. You know, you do three or four shows in a weekend, you get a little bit of practice, and that's a good thing. Uh, definitely. Sure. Uh, I w- wanted you to kind of, if you can, take us through a a day or or at least one of your days. Uh, what you guys do at Monster Jam University? It's discussed and it's shown on the big screens there. But they kind of just give it like a, hey, they're practicing. They're doing, uh, they're running through a show. And that's, that's kind of it. Are there any more details you can give us as to kind of how, how things went for you while you were out there? What was a day at Monster Jam University like? I would say it's pretty cut and dry. I mean, the video does a great job of depicting what goes on. I mean, it's definitely, you're in a show setting. You're just not in an arena with, with the fans. You know, so you're definitely running through the show just like you would at, at a show so it's pretty pretty accurate what they put out there i mean there's really not too much more i can say about it that's different i mean you definitely you just want to you you want to perform like you practice you want to practice practice like you perform so i mean there's really not too much difference in that aspect and uh which is great i mean there's really no need to do it differently because if that's what we're going to be doing at the show then Sure, why not? Let's practice like that too. Gotcha. Uh, now, was there somebody kind of in charge leading you through? Was Was Tom out there saying, "Hey, do this," or was it, you know, officials just like the real show? Yeah, Tom. Exactly. I mean, it, it was just like a show. Uh, Tom is the professor, so he's like the ringmaster. He's the leader. Uh, it's pretty awesome though to be out there, and and just to see how far the sport has come. And, you know, in just a few years that I've been involved, it's changed and it's evolved. And I think it's definitely on the right track for uh, new and upcoming people that maybe didn't even have a background in motorsports like myself. Mm-hmm. You know, because now they have the opportunity to go there and train and really without the pressure of, you know, having to do really well because the fans are there and your family's there. You can just focus on just learning, you know, just set your mind towards, all right, I'm here. This is my first time, second time. I just want to learn, and that's it. Yeah, sometimes it's good to be a sponge there and be able to kind of soak up everything, and especially if you've got, you know, some – and I I would imagine, you know, having some inexperienced folks around you also kind of makes you a little bit more comfortable. It's like, okay, well, if I fall on my face, it's all right, because we're in the middle of a field in, you know, Tom Mentz's backyard. And, you know, I'm not the only one out here falling on my face because it's the first time I'm doing this kind of thing. Oh, yeah, for sure. I mean, what better support system and resource to have than some somebody and his team that's won 11 championships over us? stellar star studded career it's like i'm pretty sure there's not a situation that tom 
Vince hasn't gone through in a Monster Jam truck that he couldn't tell you about, you know, or that you you have a question, and I'm pretty sure he can answer it. Definitely, definitely good points. Uh, now, as as we're winding up into second quarter and everything, I'm I'm starting to call it. Uh, do you have anything on the docket for you coming up uh, as far as shows and everything? What have you been uh, What have you been blessed with for more opportunities behind the wheel? Well, I'm really excited to, uh, of course, go overseas. Uh, the schedule isn't quite finished yet, so I'm not sure exactly how many I'll have or where I'll be for certain, but I'm looking forward to that. And I'm also looking forward to, I got two shows in Florida. So hey. I'm always excited when my family can get to come and see the show. I got a show in Tampa at the Emily Arena. Well, which will be cool because the fans will get to see, see something different in a market that they're so used to seeing the trucks at Raymond James Stadium. They'll get to see the Triple Threat Tour in the Amley Arena setting. So, uh, And then we have one in Sunrise, Florida also. So I'm, I'm looking forward to that. That'll be coming up in August. So I'm just enjoying some time home with the family now and definitely um, want to get some stuff done here. But of course, I mean, after a few weeks goes by, you're starting to get, you know, get that itch like, all right, I need to get back behind the wheel. <laughs> so now, now you do some uh, you some some stuff to fill that time, definitely. Besides even the family stuff, you do some graphic design stuff and and all that. Um, is that kind of your your uh, when you're not behind the wheel, you're doing graphic design and and what else fills in the gaps for you there? For sure, uh, graphic design is always going to be one of my passions that's what i was doing before i became a driver and i still dabble in it when i have time when i'm not on tour um but also now it's really popular the solid axle market in, in rc monster jam trucks is kind of taken off again it used to be really popular and it's it's kind of come back full circle around to where replica trucks of the real deal are really popular in the rc world now and there's some pretty cool parts out there that are manufactured and you know axial has a pretty pretty scale looking vehicles that they come out with um with the grave digger and the max d snt 10 trucks so that market is really really kind of expanding and uh we've had a fortunate enough opportunity to, for the last two years to bring that that niche market of rc monster trucks into the world finals in las vegas where we actually invite 16 drivers and they compete with two trucks apiece. So they mimic the 32 truck field in Las Vegas and we race during the double down party in the pits for all three days with these RC monster trucks. And man, it, it was a huge success this year. Um, we, we, we made some obstacles to make them look really similar to the obstacles on the track and uh, it's definitely something that really captured the crowd uh, during the pit party. We had pretty big crowds out there, and I, I can't wait to uh, see what comes for next year. Uh, we try to improve it every year, and the fans really reacted well to it this year. I mean, I've, I've gotten so much feedback on social media about it, and, you know, I can only invite 16 guys, and there's so many people now involved with that industry and they want to be involved. It's like, man, I got to figure out a way to involve more people, you know, make the show better for next year. Cause you know, you got to improve every year. That's what's, that's the goal. 
Definitely yeah, good pretty- points. I would say real quickly that that's uh, they've they've got to be my favorite side act, man. When they are a part of a show, I remember shows in Minneapolis where. I'm not going to lie, some of those RC trucks got bigger pops than some, some of the stuff that the monster truck guys did. If they went out and broke early, they might not have gotten as much of a reaction as the guy that took it off of the you know, the main center jump. Exactly. you know, and it, these, Those trucks are pretty amazing, and it's a fun hobby. You know, That's how I got noticed to become a, a Monster Jam athlete is you know, I got noticed racing RC monster trucks, and Uh, to this day a lot of people still ask me you know how did you make that transition how does that even compare i said well it's it's more similar than you think you know it's almost like a simulator and the fact that you know the laws of physics and inertia all that stuff it still applies you know you jump an rc vehicle rc monster truck the same way you would jump a, a, a full size vehicle and um the good thing about that is, is the RC vehicles, the scale speed on them is actually a lot faster than a normal, you know, the, the scale speed of a real full-size monster truck. Mm-hmm. So the power to weight ratio is a lot more substantial. Um, but, I mean, that that's just kind of it in a nutshell as far as how I got my start. So, I mean, anything, the sky's the limit. I've And I try to do bigger and better things every time, every year. Yeah, I was kind of taken it back a little bit um, when you and I went and checked out King of the Hammers and everything like that. Like, I kind of got a crash course in, like, the, a little bit of an inside look at the RC world because I knew you were involved. I didn't know quite as how heavily involved you were. And then I didn't quite uh, have any kind of a grasp as to how big this whole industry is. And I was kind of, like, just trying to be a sponge and absorb a lot of information and everything like that. And then I remember we bumped into the guys from Axial. We were meeting and mingling and stuff like that. And... You know, you were kind of chit-chatting this and that and the other. It was like, oh, Barry's like a big deal within this world. Like, not to, you know, blow your head off or anything like that. But it was just kind of like an eye-opener. It was like, oh, this isn't just like, you know, a handful of dorks on, you know, a Clodbuster forum or something. Another, like, this is a full-blown industry with a lot of stuff going on. Oh, absolutely. I mean, I like to call it the best, one of the best-kept secrets in the hobby world is, is definitely a niche market. But it's a fun hobby, and it's a family-oriented hobby to where you can involve your kids and, you know, your just your entire family. It's it's kind of infectious once you put a controller in, uh, you know, a little kid's hand for the first time, and you see the look on their face. They're controlling this, you know, replica of Gravedigger or Max D that Axial has. It's like they think they're behind the wheel, you know. So it's it's a pretty cool hobby to be involved with, and I'm glad I'm. I got involved at an early age, and I'm able to get gratification by involving, you know, younger kids in it, you know, at this point in my life, because it's it's just something fun to do, you know, keeps them busy and teaches them work ethic and, you know, mechanical ability on a smaller scale. It might not be as expensive, and, um, you know, just go from there, just something more to have fun with. Definitely. It's funny how quickly it like kind of creates a little bit of a monster though, because I was talking with Dennis Anderson a couple weeks back, and as well as some of the guys from Star Creations that do some of the fiberglass work for Monster Jam and creating these new crazy 3D molds or whatever. And yeah, they were talking about that new axial truck and you know how much they'd already kind of sunk into it. And Dennis is like, "Oh yeah, 
I've got one in the box sitting out back of the shop. I haven't touched it too much yet. But he said, I'm getting all the parts together. I'm slowly putting everything together because I don't want Adam and Ryan and the kids to be able to get a hold of mine and start wrecking. And he said, I want to put all the best parts on mine. I'm not going to mess around. That way I can go out there and start beating them. Right. Yeah, a lot of people don't realize that these aren't toys. I mean, yeah, they might look like toys, but they're upgradable, just like your high-performance vehicle in your garage. I mean, there's aftermarket parts for every square inch of these things. I mean, you could literally take a stock truck apart and build it over with aftermarket parts and have your stock truck again, (laughs) you know? So it's definitely something that... uh, people don't realize how much you can put into these these things and to make them your own. So there's definitely a lot of creative people out there. And it's still exciting to me to see what people come up with. Definitely. Well, uh, you're probably nearing the finish of your uh, washer, uh, you know, uh, rebuild there for your uh, dishwasher. But I uh, wanted yeah. to ask you a couple things. We always ask people to kind of round out the show. Uh, Favorite race you've ever been a part of or seen, and favorite freestyle that you've ever been a part of or seen? Oh, great question. Um, probably favorite race, I would have to say, gosh, there's so many, man, but probably uh, I'll give you two. The one time I went in Vegas, I went to the semifinals, the Final Four, and that was in 2013 in Spider-Man. Uh, just was out there having fun. Never thought I would have made it that far in racing against that caliber of, of, of field in my very first world finals competing in the big field. Um, and then it was kind of let down in heartbreak after that because the, the um, fuel pump broke. I was racing Mark McDonald in the semifinals and it broke. We never got past the, uh, we got past uh, Thunder Alley and onto the straightaway, but that was it. But I was happy, you know, I was, I was excited for my team and for my family to be able to say, hey, we went that far in the first time. So haven't been able to get back there, but definitely it's always on uh, the goal is to just try to do good in racing because I feel like it's pretty, I'm still competitive and it's pretty cool to line up against somebody and say you beat them straight up, you know, and. Definitely, I would say then another one would have to be Rosemont last year. Rosemont, Chicago, it's a six-show weekend, so it's a marathon oh, of yeah. a weekend to be able to compete on a high level. And um, I actually won Arena Freestyle of the Year from that show last year, and uh it was just kind of one of those moments where the points were on the line. I kind of marked on my calendar that that weekend to say, all right, whoever comes out on top of this weekend is probably going to win the championship. And I had a points lead going into that weekend, but Cole won four out of the six overall events. I won the other two. Mm-hmm. And uh, – I was just trying to make up ground, you know, because that's Gravedigger country right there. So I was like, man, if I could just come out of here, you know, with with a little bit of a lead, you know, I'd be doing all right. But he passed me up that weekend. But I was still I was competing with a vengeance buddy that weekend. And, hey, it still earned me a 
recognition of freestyle of the year and in, inside an arena. So that's a pretty big feat when you got tons of huge talent inside these arenas for Monster Jam. Definitely. With how much it's evolved, that's just impressive. Definitely. Uh, Dustin had uh, one final question for you, a little bit off the wall, a little bit off the beaten path. Well, you, you talked about uh, having some Florida shows later this year. There, You happen to have a pretty big fan in the state of Florida. Not happen to be in one of the cities that you're doing these shows in. But uh, when I say big, I mean, we're talking Shaq, man. Uh, you think you can get Shaq to come to Tampa or something like that? Uh, it depends. You know, if, if, if his schedule permits, he's a busy guy, man. I mean, he's always on TV. I see him on commercials. I see him on TNT doing basketball. I see him everywhere. So... I, I, it just depends on if the stars align and he's able to make it happen with his busy schedule. That'd be awesome, you know. Uh, it's awesome that he's, you know, been such a supportive a guy in my career and uh, super nice guy. And I'm hoping that we can uh, put that Bard in Orlando video to use one of these years, <laughs> and, and I get to go back to Orlando. Man, I haven't been able to do it since 2013, so. We'll see. Hopefully, we get to go back and do the hometown show. I got to do Cleveland, which is my where I was born and raised this year, so that was pretty exciting too. You know, home of the Cavs, who are on their way to another NBA championship. I'm I'm calling it right now. Okay. All right. <laughs> well, since we since we discussed that whole basketball thing, I'm a Spurs fan, and shh. So um, <laughs> you want to talk but, about that? Yeah, I don't want to talk about that after recent events last night, but. Uh, so we had, a, you know, we used to have a power forward truck. Maybe we need to get Shaq on board and have a Shaq dismobile that you can drive out there. Man, that would be awesome. You know, <laughs> that would be sweet. You never know what the future holds. That's for sure. Well, listen, guys, you can follow Bari on Facebook at facebook.com slash Bari dot That is M-U-S-A-W-W-I-R. You can also follow him on Twitter at Bari Musauer. Barry, is there anything else you want to talk about? Anybody else you want to shout out before we head off and uh, let you finish washing dishes, hopefully? Yeah, I got to shout out my crew, man. They they really did a great job this year. And uh, Ryan, Riddell, and Brad Hilston, they are new guys this year. But, man, they got great work ethic, and they'll do anything in their power to make sure I got 100% truck underneath me. And thanks to them guys, you know, I definitely wouldn't be able to do what I do and run that truck like I do without them. And, Thanks to all my people on the tour, you know, the people that don't get recognition, you know, the techs, the, 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 the ops staff, everybody from merchandising to, to um, you know, the people, that, the guys out there throwing a digger disc. I mean, everybody, it's a collective effort when it comes to Monster Jam. And, you know, we get all the recognition, but at the end of the day, it takes a whole team of people to, to really pull it off. And, man, we've become a family over these last few months. And, it's good to work with people that you know you can have a good rapport with. So I look forward to competing with them, but it's also good to see everybody again week in, week out. And, uh, you know, I just hope to do bigger and better things in the future. I just pulled off my first moonwalk, so I'm excited about that. To go do it again bigger and better. I got, I'm got i being taught by the, one of the best in the business, old Tyler and, and now Tristan. It's like, my goodness. These guys are coming out and they're showing the old dog new tricks, that's for sure. <laughs> well, you're not exactly an old dog to us, but we appreciate you spending some time with us, Barry. Thanks for uh, coming in, and uh, hey, love to have you back on anytime you'd have us. 
All right. I, I appreciate you guys for having me, and uh, it's been a blast. And I'm going to test out this dishwasher here and see if it's going to work for me. <laughs> good Sounds luck with good. that. Sounds good. 